Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of beta blockers from the pharmacology section on MedBullets.com. Let's get into the episode. We'll be talking about the various different types of beta blockers in terms of selectivity and also its mechanism of action for clinical application. Let's start with beta blocker selectivity. We'll go through the various different drug names, their clinical effect, their clinical applications, and their toxicity presentation. The first set of beta blockers are the non-selective beta antagonists, where beta-1 receptors and beta-2 receptors have equal sensitivity to these drugs. This class of beta blockers include propranolol, natalol, and timolol. The clinical effects of non-selective beta antagonists include lowering blood pressure and heart rate, reducing renin secretion, decreasing cardiac output, and increasing peripheral resistance. In terms of their clinical applications, they can be used in hypertension, arrhythmias, angina pectoris, migraines, hyperthyroidism, and glaucoma, particularly timolol with glaucoma. And in terms of their toxicity, patients can present with bradycardia, fatigue, worsening asthma, and vivid dreams. The next set of beta blockers are the beta-1 selective antagonists where their effect on beta-1 receptors is greater than their effect on beta-2 receptors. The drugs in this class include metoprolol, atenolol, betaxolol, and esmolol. The clinical effects of metoprolol, atenolol, and betaxolol include lowering blood pressure and heart rate and reducing renin secretion. Note that esmolol has a very rapid onset of action, as it has a half-life of 10 minutes. The clinical applications of metoprolol, atenolol, and betaxolol include hypertension, arrhythmias, and angina pectoris. The clinical applications of esmolol include rapid control of supraventricular arrhythmias, blood pressure, and thyrotoxicosis. In terms of toxicity, metoprolol, atenolol, and betaxolol have the same toxicity as non-selective beta antagonists, except that they are safer in asthma. And the toxicity of esmolol include bradycardia and hypotension. Now let's move on to non-selective alpha and beta antagonists, where their effect on beta-1 receptors is equal to their effect on beta-2 receptors, but their effect on beta receptors in general is greater than or equal to their effect on alpha-1 receptors, and their effect on alpha-1 receptors is greater than their effect on alpha-2 receptors. The drugs in this class include labetalol and carvedilol. The clinical application of these drugs mainly involves heart failure, and their toxicity finding mainly involves fatigue. And the last class of beta blockers are the partial beta agonists, where there is an equal blockade effect on beta-1 receptors as on beta-2 receptors with some beta agonist activity. This class of medications includes acibutalol, pindolol, and cartilol. Their main clinical effect is lowering the heart rate less than their effect on blood pressure. Their clinical applications include hypertension and arrhythmias. And their main toxicity finding is hypotension but less tachycardia effect than with alpha blockers, such as fentolamine. Now let's discuss the various different mechanisms of action of beta blockers and their corresponding clinical application. The first clinical application of beta blockers is hypertension, 
and the mechanism of action that allows us to treat hypertension using beta blockers is decrease in cardiac output and decrease in renin secretion by blocking beta receptors on juxtaglomerular apparatus cells. The second clinical application of beta blockers is angina pectoris and the mechanism of action that allows us to treat angina pectoris with beta blockers is the decrease in oxygen consumption by a decrease in heart rate and contractility. The next clinical application of beta blockers is SVT or supraventricular tachycardia and the main beta blockers used for this condition are propranolol and esmolol and the mechanism of action that allows us to treat SVTs with beta blockers is their ability to decrease atrioventricular conduction velocity. The next clinical application of beta blockers is myocardial infarction, and the mechanism by which beta blockers help in myocardial infarction is by decreasing the mortality. The penultimate clinical application of beta blockers is CHF or congestive heart failure, and beta blockers help in CHF by slowing the progression of disease. And finally, the last clinical application of beta blockers, particularly of timolol, is glaucoma. And the mechanism by which timolol helps in glaucoma is by decreasing the secretion of aqueous humor. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 62-year-old male is rushed to the emergency department for what he believes is his second myocardial infarction. His medical history is significant for severe chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, and a prior MI at the age of 58. After receiving aspirin, morphine, and face mask oxygen in the field, the patient arrives to the ED tachycardic at 105 beats per minute, diaphoretic, and normotensive at 126 over 86 millimeters of mercury. A 12-lead electrocardiogram shows ST elevation in leads 1, AVL, and V5-V6. The attending physician suspects a lateral wall infarction. Which of the following beta blockers should be given to this patient and why? 1. Propranolol, because it is a non-selective beta blocker. 2. Metoprolol, because it is a selective beta blocker with a greater effect on beta-1 receptors than on beta-2 receptors. 3. Atenolol, because it is a selective beta blocker with a greater effect on beta-2 receptors than on beta-1 receptors. 4. Labetalol, because it is a selective beta blocker with a greater effect on beta-1 receptors than on beta-2 receptors. Or 5. Natalol, because it is a selective beta blocker with a greater effect on beta-1 receptors than on beta-2 receptors. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, metoprolol, because it is a selective beta blocker with a greater effect on beta-1 receptors than on beta-2 receptors. Because the patient has a history of COPD, he should be treated with a selective beta-1 blocker such as metoprolol or atenolol. Remember, when using a beta blocker to treat a patient with hypertension, tachycardia, acute MI, history of MI, or arrhythmia, it is important to tailor pharmacotherapy to the patient's comorbidities based on the drug selectivity. Non-selective beta-1 and beta-2 antagonists such as propranolol, natalol, and timolol should be avoided in patients with asthma and COPD because of the risk of bronchoconstriction caused by beta-2 blockade. 
selective beta-1 blockers such as metoprolol, atenolol, betaxolol, and esmolol decrease heart rate and contractility by their beta-1 effect without causing marked bronchoconstriction secondary to beta-2 cross-reactivity. Non-selective alpha and beta antagonists such as labetalol and carvedilol are primarily used in heart failure and have similar risks for patients with COPD and asthma as non-selective beta blockers. In a summary of the American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association guidelines for the management of acute MI, authors Campbell, Scherer, and Green review the role of beta blockers in improving mortality. In the review, the authors list absolute contraindications to beta blocker therapy for acute MI. These include evidence of low output state, increased risk of cardiogenic shock, and signs of heart failure because beta blocker therapy increases mortality in these patients. In an editorial, Rutten and Groenwold review the benefits of beta blocker therapy for acute and subacute MI. They emphasize that even for patients with COPD, beta blocker therapy is associated with a 0.59 mortality hazard ratio. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choices 1 and 5, propranolol and natolol, are non-selective beta blockers, which could theoretically exacerbate COPD in this patient. A selective beta-1 blocker is a better choice in this patient. Answer choice 3, Atenolol is a selective beta blocker with greater effect on beta-1 receptors than on beta-2 receptors. And finally, answer choice 4, labetalol is a non-selective adrenergic blocker with the affinity to beta-1, beta-2, and alpha-1 receptors, and less so to alpha-2 receptors. Next question. A 21-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician with a three-week history of headaches. She says that she has been experiencing intermittent headaches that are accompanied by nausea and vomiting. She describes the headaches as predominantly located on the left side, and she says that they sometimes get bad enough that she cannot leave her room or even listen to music. Her past medical history is significant for seasonal allergies and a recent upper respiratory infection associated with rhinorrhea. She says that she is currently stressed with applying to medical school and drinks five cups of coffee per day. Which of the following describes the mechanism of action for a medication that will decrease the frequency of these headaches? 1. Beta-1 adrenergic selective antagonist 2. Calcium channel blocker 3. Non-selective beta adrenergic antagonist 4. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug or 5. Selective serotonin agonist And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, non-selective beta-adrenergic antagonist. This patient who presents with a unilateral headache associated with nausea, vomiting, and phonophobia is most likely suffering from migraines. Non-selective beta-adrenergic antagonists or beta blockers, such as propranolol, can be used to decrease the frequency of migraines. Remember, the beta-adrenergic receptor comes in three subtypes that are located on diverse tissue types. The beta-1 receptor is primarily found on cardiac myocytes where they are responsible for increasing cardiac contractility. Therefore, beta-1 selective antagonists such as metoprolol can be used to decrease contractility in myocardial infarction or provide atrioventricular node blockade in atrial fibrillation.
The beta-2 adrenergic receptor is located primarily on smooth muscle and is responsible for regulation of lumen diameter. Non-selective beta blockers, therefore, have many uses in the treatment of arrhythmias, angina, migraines, and hyperthyroidism. Other non-selective beta blockers, such as natalol, can decrease portal hypertension by vasodilating the splanchnic system. An important side effect of non-selective beta blockers is bronchoconstriction due to its effects on the smooth muscle surrounding the airway. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, beta-1 adrenergic selective antagonists, such as metoprolol, can be used to reduce cardiac contractility in myocardial infarction or to provide atrioventricular node blockade in atrial fibrillation. Answer choice 2. Calcium channel blockers, such as verapamil, can be used to prevent cluster headaches. However, these headaches would present with unilateral frontal headache associated with vasomotor symptoms such as tearing and rhinorrhea. Answer choice 4. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, such as ibuprofen, can be used in the treatment of muscular strains and tension-type headaches. However, these headaches tend to present as bilateral and squeezing in nature. These drugs may also be used to treat migraines, but are not indicated for prophylaxis. And finally, answer choice 5, selective serotonin agonists such as sumatriptan can be used to treat migraines and can shorten the duration or reduce the symptoms of a migraine. However, they would not be effective in decreasing the frequency of migraine occurrence. In summary, non-selective beta-adrenergic blockers such as propranolol can be used in migraine prophylaxis. And that's all for this review about beta blockers. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are already, please be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.